Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Hey, City Church, thank you again for joining us this morning. This is part three of our series that we have called Live the Life. Now, we're just a couple weeks away from Easter, which is super exciting that we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together as a church family. And as I have been saying, you need to be thinking about who you can be inviting to our Easter service. It's never been easier to invite someone online to one of our services. We are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus coming up on April the 4th. You don't want to miss that. And also upcoming, we, as you know, we have our Good Friday services, which is going to be super special. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great online experience for everyone. And as I have been saying, as we move towards reopening, um, I'm looking forward to seeing our faithful city team members and your black t-shirts. Maybe we'll get you some new t-shirts. Julianne can figure that out. Um, but I'm just excited to see you. And uh, what's great about our city team, they are so faithful. They make church happen every weekend here at the City Church. Right now is no different. In the future will be no different. And I also want to make mention of maybe you are a part of our City Church family, but you have never been part of our city team. Now, what our city team is, there's the, that part of our family, you know, when you're having like a party at your house, and your mom is getting ready. And what you do when people are coming over, mom gets you ready ahead of time. And then also you get to stay late after and help clean up. That's what family is all about. We come, we get ready early. Why? Because somebody is coming. And that's what church is all about. We're gathering together as a family. We're coming early and we're staying late because we are a part of the city church family. So there's be some great opportunities for you to serve on our city team and all of the regular places that we have served. But we have some new areas. Um, that you can get involved in, especially on our tech team. We've got cameras, we've got lighting, we've got so many new pieces of equipment that we're using every week to broadcast church, and we are going to continue to do that afterwards. So if that's you, you're like, you know what? The tech team, that's the perfect place for me on the family. There's lots of places for you to connect with. And then also, um, creatively, what we're doing as a church, you're going to get to be part of our creative team. And so if you're like, I don't want to do tech, I don't want to serve in the kids, but I'm a creative, there is a place for you on our team. We will let you know more about that as we go forward. Let's just pray today before we dive into the word. Father God, we just thank you today for your love. And as we spend time in your word this morning, we thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us. God, we just lean into your word today. We know that you are speaking to us, that you are speaking to hearts. And God, we just thank you for your word today and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, this is part three of our series, Live the Life. And like I said, it's very easy for us to take for granted that we live, that we are alive, that we have this animating power on the inside of us, that we can live and we can walk around and we can think and our heart beats. We have nothing to do with these things. This is life that's living on the inside of us. This, the definition of the word life means this, the principle or force underlying the detective quality of animated beings. You and I, we live without ever plugging into an outlet. 
God has animated our bodies and that we get to live the life of God dwells in all living things. Uh, what simple definitions, what is living moves and what is dead ceases to move. And so you and I are moving around. We are living. Um, God's divine force of life breathed into Adam's lungs still lives in our lungs. God's power is working in our brains and in our bodies and in our hearts so that we can walk around and live. You know, we've been talking about some of the amazing parts of creation and all that God has put on the inside of us. You know, think about this for a second. Your mother carried you inside of her body for about nine or 10 months or so, unless you were a preemie, and then it was less. But how amazing is that? And we won't go into a biology lesson because we know that there is kids watching this morning. But, you know, men and women come together so that life is created. I can remember specifically when um, Nicole was pregnant with our first daughter. You know, you, you, you go through the whole process and you do the home test and then you get it confirmed by the doctor. And so you know that there's a baby in there, that you know that there's life in there. But for me, it really came so real when we went to that first appointment with the doctor where you could hear the heartbeat. And so, you know, they're searching around Nicole's belly there, and all of a sudden you hear this really fast heartbeat. And I kind of was like, wow, there really is a baby in there. And it's just an, an amazing thing to think about that all of us started there, this divine life that's on the inside of us. Now think about this. When we were five weeks old inside of our mother's womb, we were two millimeters in size. Now hold up your fingers and do approximately two millimeters and think about that five weeks after the connection of the biological things that we won't discuss. You were two millimeters in size and already what would become your brain and your spinal cord and the umbilical cord were all starting to form even at two millimeters inside. Now by week eight, your legs, the cartilage, your fingers were all starting to form. What would become your eyes and your ears would start to take shape. And by this time, you were 11 to 14 millimeters in length. So about a centimeter and a centimeter and a half approximately. You were that size. And all of that life of God was teeming in your body as you were growing. And all of this life bursting forth with all of the humans that we see walk around. So God formed all of us in our mother's womb with this animating life of God. And the question is, are we continuing to allow the life of God to animate our thoughts and our ways, not just our biology, because we all get that by God's common grace, that the life of God is just teeming on the inside of us. But do we live the life that God offers to us? Our last series, Save, just talked about all the ways the promises of God and the provision of God has shown up in our lives. But in this series, we're talking about the directives or the direction that God gives for my life. Our verse that we've been looking at every week, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus is saying, that they might have life and have it abundantly. And that's what we're focusing on today. Just this idea that Jesus came and so God wants us to have abundant life. This word abundant just means exceeding abundantly, something further, something more, superior, extraordinary, 
uncommon. See, that's the type of life that God wants you and I to live. And really, this is the desire that we all have. Not, nobody says, you know what, I just want to live a mediocre life. We all, in one sense, want to live an uncommon life. And this is the life that we see with our relationship with God, the reason why Jesus came, that we would live this uncommon life, not just have the life of God in us, in our flesh, but we would live life the way it was designed to be lived. Now, this word life, the Greek word zoe, every living soul. Listen to this. The absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical. And then something else really important, it belongs to God. The Zoe life of God belongs to God. We are devoted to God, not just in our physicality, but in how we are offering to God that we would live life according to his ways. Paul comments on this in Romans chapter 8, verse 27. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. So there's the idea of birth. So we have physical birth and then we have spiritual birth where we're walking out the ways of God. So we see a couple things in here that God is ordering the chaos in our lives. God is not producing chaos in our lives, but he is ordering the chaos because of sin and all of the things that happen to us. So God is doing that, but then he's asking us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And why did Jesus come? So we would have abundant life, that we would live an uncommon life, moving to the image of Christ. So we want to be uh, staying connected to the life of God. The, the other part, we don't actually choose. The, the fact that we can live and think and all, our body functions in all of these ways that we, we don't understand. We can be, those are all things that are automatic. But the fact that we can choose uh, the way of the life of God, we, we, it's easy for us to get off track as we can all testify at different times. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And really Gentile just means any non-Jewish person or somebody who doesn't have a covenant with God. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, separated not from the animation that is happening in our bodies, but the ways of the life of God, alienated from the life of God, being ignorant, that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now, it's very easy for us sometimes to possibly have a hard heart or an impenetrable heart. That stuff comes our way and we aren't listening. I remember uh, growing up, you know, my dad is a pastor and, you know, I, I've been in church a lot in my life and I was in church a lot growing up. It was one of those times I was like 15 or 16 and I was at church and my dad was preaching and I got to be honest, I don't even know what he was preaching about. I wasn't listening. I was sitting with my friends. We were talking and as he was speaking, I was sitting there, you know, it, it, listening, not really listening. I know things were hitting my ears, but I don't know what was being said. And so what I decided to do is I tried, decided to take off my watch off of my wrist and to put it on my ankle because you're being foolish in church and this is what you do as a PK. So in this moment, when I finally got 
the watch fastened on my ankle. This has never happened before and it never happened since. My dad said, Brent, come up here and get me a glass of water. I didn't have time to disengage the watch from my ankle because I really wasn't listening to what, so I went up there and I was hoping that my pant leg would cover my watch. Other words, people are like, why is this kid wearing a watch on his ankle? But in that moment, I wasn't listening. And we've all had moments like that where we know we aren't listening to what God is saying to us. And this is what is being said in these verses. Man, we could just have a hard heart and we miss out on the life of God. But how is it that we have a soft heart? Because we should all desire to have the ways, the life of God happening in us. John chapter 15, verse 5 tells us. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so proved to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy will be in you, and that your joy would be full." So Jesus has this whole analogy about the vine and the branch that Jesus, in a sense, is what he's saying, is the source of life. And that we need to stay connected to the source of life. Not that you have animation in your flesh, but there's the the life of God, that we would stay connected to Jesus who came, that we would have abundant life, that we would stay there, abide, remain. That this would be a choice that we would make so that we would experience the life of God. Because there's so many things here that we see in these verses that that God wants us to bear fruit. And when we bear fruit, we're proving to be Jesus' disciples. So how do we abide? How do we stay in this place of discipleship? Because this is what Jesus has called us to be. Really, this is a non-controversial statement, but it sounds controversial. Jesus never asked us to be Christians, but he did ask us to be disciples, that we would remain in him, sustained connected, in relationship. I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, Do the ideas that God is providing in our relationship with him. And all of that would sustain the life that God has for us to live. It said there that we, we are in connection with the father and he loves us that we are abiding in that place. When we remain connected to God, what are we remaining connected to? Man, the Father who loves us and cares for us. See, God makes it easy for us to serve him, but just sometimes we are like that hard-hearted person, that person who's putting the watch on their ankle, not listening, not paying attention to what God would be saying to us. But God wants us to remain. And then also, what does it say there? He wants us to bear much fruit. What is the nature of our relationship with God? And then what is the nature of God himself? Jesus said, I came that you would have abundant life, uncommon life. 
live a life that's not just I'm walking around and I'm thinking and my heart is beating, that I would live an uncommon life. Now, when we think about this idea, you know, abiding in the branch, we would say maybe to ourselves, am I a subsistence farmer or an abundance farmer? Now, subsistence farming is I'm going to plant just enough for myself. Or should I be the type of farmer that, you know what, I can plant so many seeds that a bunch of other people can be blessed. Now, I feel like we should get an indication from creation itself. When we look at creation, you know, God created trees and he didn't create a tree that had one branch and one leaf. What type of trees did he create? They had so many branches and so many leaves. If you've ever planted or seen uh, an apple orchard, you know, when you go to the apple orchard, there's just not one apple on one tree. There's just hundreds and hundreds of apples on one tree. The nature of creation itself shows us that God is a God of abundance. The, the, the instructions that God gave to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, multiply. God wants us to bear fruit. He's talking about that, obviously, we would have families, and then from those families, other people would be born. Said to Noah the same thing, that would be fruitful and multiply. And then we see something very specific in the call of Abraham, very famous words to, to Abraham that he said, and then he says to us, Abraham, I want to bless you, and I want to make you a blessing. See, this is the idea of the abundant life that God has for us. That we walk in the blessings of God. It is undeniable in the scriptures over and over again, we see that God is a God of blessing. But what is the purpose of the blessing? God wants to bless you and he wants to make you a blessing. This is the life of God. This is the call to the believer. Hey, I wanna do something in you. I wanna do something for you. But it shouldn't just stop there. There's just not one branch and one piece of apple on the tree of your life. I'm planting something in you so that there can actually be abundance in your life. So the question is, how many ways can we open ourselves up to, to the abundant life of God? Or do we want to cut off certain areas? We think, you know, God, I don't need abundance over there. I'll just figure this out on my own. I'll, I'll just operate in the life that you've given to me. I don't want the abundant life. But are we open to the ways that God wants us to experience abundant life? What about in our homes, in our relationships? Do we just want to be left on our own to figure out how to do relationships? Or do we want God's abundance in our relationships? Our body, we're, we're, ta- you know, we're talking about healing here as a church. Do we want God's abundance in our body? What about in our careers? What we can do and what we accomplish, what about in our finances? We're like, no, no, God, I'll just figure out my finances on my own. I don't need your abundance in my finances. No, I think it'd be smart for us all to say, God, I want you involved in my finances. If you're a business owner, wouldn't you want God's abundance to be part of your business What about our city? What are ways that we want God's abundance in our city? That God has blessed us as individuals and a church, and we are always talking about this. What are some ways that we can be a blessing in the city? Because this is how God's abundance works. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. In the nation, how can we be a blessing in the nation. 
in my neighborhood, wherever I go, God wants to bless you and he wants to make you a blessing. Mark chapter four here, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. In other words, the ways that God operates, the place of God's rule. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? Verse 31, it's like a grain of mustard seed and which is one of the small seeds. When sown in the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Verse 32, yet when it is sown, sorry, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches. This is what the kingdom of God is like. That God wants to sow small seeds in our lives and then he wants it to grow up and be really large. He wants abundance for our lives so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its shade. Oh, it's not just for me. That there's some, the metaphor here is that you are a tree and then this big tree that you become, other people can come and find shade in the midst of your blessing or other people can be blessed because of the blessings that you have. With many such parable, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear. He did not speak to them without a parable. So he's always talking to them about the kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he described this thing, the small seed that would grow up to abundance. Isaiah chapter three, verse 10 says this, tell the righteous that it shall be with them that they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. So for us that have a relationship with God, the righteous, that's us. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be doing good things. When we do good things, what are we going to be doing? We're sowing seeds. And then what's going to be happening? We're going to eat the fruit of those deeds. That there's a whole reciprocity in the kingdom of God. There is sowing and reaping and there's abundance and then there's blessing. This is the way of life that God has put in the earth. This is how the earth operates. The kingdom of God would not operate any other way. You know, we would think, well, I'll create a tree, but then God creates thousands of species of trees. I'm going to create a few fish, but God creates thousands of species of fish and animals, just abundance. This is how the earth is, and this is the way God wants us to operate in our lives. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Sowing to the things of God, the life of God. Verse nine, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity to let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so God, these whole verses here, God is trying to get us to be sower of seeds, to be doing good things. And when we do these things, what's going to happen? Hey, there's going to be a harvest in our lives. This is the abundance of God. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to be sowers of seed, reapers of a harvest, and then sowers of seed. This is the economy of God. Now, when I say economy, I'm not just talking about money. This is the way the kingdom of God operates in every capacity. 
that the life, my life, would grow up and it would be, it would produce big branches and somebody else can find shade in the blessings of my life. Shade in a good way, not shade in a bad way. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What does that sound like? That sounds like a lot of hope, not just a little bit of hope, not just the smallest amount of hope. God wants us to abound in hope. Romans 14 verse 16 says this, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. This is how the kingdom of God is. Peace and joy and abundance of hope. Now, are you a subsistence farmer when it comes to peace and joy and hope. In other words, just enough for me. See, the whole the scripture and all of what we're reading today is, man, we need to keep doing good things. We need to keep doing good things for our brothers and sisters. We need to keep doing good things for everybody. But what's going to happen when we keep doing good things, man, we're going to reap a harvest. And when we reap a harvest in every area of our lives, what are we going to do? We're just going to be generous and keep giving. I don't, I don't want to just be a subsistence farmer when it comes to joy and peace. I want to be able to have enough joy that somebody could share in my joy. I want to have enough peace in my heart that somebody else can come and just hang around me and feel the peace of God. See, this is the abundant life that God has for us. This is the life he wants us to live. Not just a small life, not just a mediocre life, but an uncommon one. A life that's more. First Timothy chapter six, and we'll finish with these verses. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, don't get scared by that word rich. The word rich just means a full supply. And now when this word rich is not talking about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, it's actually talking about you, you and I, especially those of us that live in Canada. You know, if we have a part-time job in Canada, we are part of the top 10% of the wage earners in the world. So we like to opt out. Everybody likes to opt out of this, these verses because I'm not Elon Musk. But this is for all of us listening today that have a device, a $1,000 device in our hand that we're watching this right now. This is us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. So it's not a, we're not a big deal. We're not putting our hope and our trust in things, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God is a God of provision. Look at the world. Look at creation. Verse 18, command them, that's us, those that are rich in this world, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, rich with what we have and then rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as firm as a firm foundation for the coming age. Now listen to this, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The life that is truly life. What is that life? 
We can see it in creation. What has God given us? God didn't give us just one tree that had one branch and then it had one leaf. He gave us trees in abundance. He gave us fruit in abundance. And then he says to us, as we look at all of these things, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to be blessed. I want you to walk in the abundance of God. And then these verses make it so clear for us. What is truly life? It's not just having the stuff. It's not just having enough peace. It's not just having enough joy. What is it? Man, I'm going to be willing to share. I'm going to be generous with who I am, with what God has placed in my life. This is the life that's truly life. This is the life of following Jesus. The one who's generous, the one who is blessed and then to be a blessing. I know that in the body of Christ that there's extremes, you know, I like this phrase, for every one mile of truth, there's two miles of ditch on either side. And people have tried to make a big deal about poverty and somehow that's spiritual. And other people have tried to make a big deal about being rich and that's spiritual. And neither of those things are true. But what is true, what is center of the road is that when you are blessed, you are supposed to be generous. And God is a God of blessing. We can't get away from it. But what are we supposed to do when we are blessed and we have an overflow of peace and we have an overflow of joy? Man, I got to text one of my friends. I got to be the type of person that receives the abundance of God, that is bearing the fruit that God says to us, hey, you're going to prove to be my disciple if you bear fruit. And the fruit that I have in my life, it's there for a reason. It's there like for the call of Abraham. I have blessed you to make you a blessing. And then when you bless, God blesses you back. And the reason God blesses you back is you can be more and more generous. And the reason God gives you peace and hope is so that you can be generous with the peace and hope that you have. This is the life that is truly life. This is the nature of the world that we live in. It is the nature of the life of God. Let's just pray today. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. God, and we answer this call today. That Jesus, you have called us to remain in you, to abide in you, to stay in your love. God, we thank you that that is a wonderful place to be. But God, you've also called us to bear fruit. And that you've called us to bear fruit so that we can be a blessing to others. So even this week, Lord, we think of any way possible that we can be a blessing to help somebody, to encourage somebody, to bless somebody. Because God, this is why you put all of these things in my life. This is why you put peace in my heart and joy in my heart. And for whatever level of resources that we are experiencing right now in our lives, Lord, we can be generous with what you have given to us. God, we thank you that this is truly life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, that first step to life in God is all about making Jesus the Lord of your life. The gospel, the good news is that Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead so that we could actually have a relationship with God. And God just offers it to us as a gift. It's called grace. We can't earn it can't become religious enough to to accept it or offer that to God. God just offers it to us. And all we have to do is say yes. 
So if that's you today, you've never said yes to making Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never said yes to God. I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me to say yes to the life of God in your life. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes wherever you are. Let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and he lived a sinless life. That he died on the cross. And you raised him from the dead so that I could have a relationship with you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, today I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways, your life. Thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.